Matthew 26, we're continuing our study on the cross in our series. I think this is the ninth part on this. Like I said, well, the next couple of Wednesdays, two or three, I'm going to see how it falls out. We probably will be seeking the Lord and praying during this time on Tuesdays and then on Wednesday nights as well. So let's look at uh, Matthew 26. This is a very familiar passage, verse 31 through 35. Then saith Jesus unto them all, Ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all of the, of the disciples. So we're going to stop right there. We know, the, we know what happened. We know God, the Lord Jesus foretold exactly what was going to happen later that night. And of course it came to be as, exactly as He said, not as Peter thought it was going to be. We're talking about the cross tonight. And in our series, we're specifically dealing tonight with the cross and self. Cross and self. And the reason I wanted to open with that passage is because I can identify with Peter. I think every believer can identify with Peter. I'm talking about Christians, true believers. We think that, that we're something that we're not. We think that we would stand for the Lord, die for the Lord, never deny the Lord. And, and yet we don't realize maybe how much self-preservation is still in us. The cross is the answer for that, by the way. And this is what we're talking about. So specifically, we're dealing about with the cross and self. Not just sin, per se, but sinful self. Okay? And I don't, obviously, Peter did not know what was in him. Peter didn't know Peter like the Lord knew Peter. And we always, we always point the finger at Peter, and he was guilty, but the Bible says they all said that. Likewise said all the disciples. And when, the, when he was taken and arrested, they all fled. You know, John came back, okay, and Peter was hanging in the outskirts somewhere, denying the Lord, warming himself by the fire. But, you know, it could be a missionary, could be a pastor, could be a Sunday school teacher, could be a, a born-again person that's been saved for many years. And we don't realize that deep down in there, their self is still thriving. Maybe self has been pampered. Maybe self has been uh, cleaned up by certain Christian values or putting a Christian face on it, so to speak. But a lot of times believers are wondering, and I would be the same. I'm, I'm guilty, okay, of nurturing self. And we wonder why we don't have victory over certain things. Why we're so touchy. You know what I'm saying? Why we're, and a man would never say he's touchy, but men can be touchy. We can be easily offended. We can be easily provoked. Our pride can be easily wounded. Uh, when we feel like we've been slighted, overlooked, uh, somebody didn't treat me just right. They didn't treat me the way I treat them. And we could go on and on and on. Uh, maybe there's a greediness. Maybe there's a lovelessness. And we really can put on the face about loving everybody but we don't genuinely in our hearts. And we're, 
we make a little shrine, and, and I don't know that we do this, we certainly wouldn't do it consciously, this little shrine called self in our lives, and we, we stand by it, we nurture it, we preserve it. And so there's a lot of believers, in it, and I, I, you know, I'll say that I'm guilty because I, I know that I'm guilty, I've got to be honest. I know the Lord's working in me. I know that there's real progress and real victory. Hallelujah for that. And at the end of this, we're going to close with a great hope. Amen. But the fact of the matter is, I think it's so often that we just uh, overlook it. And we think like Peter, Lord, everybody else might deny you, but I'm not. I would die for you. The Lord says, Peter, you don't know Peter. I'm telling you what's going to happen tonight. And I'm talking about saved people. I'm not talking about lost people. We wouldn't deny the Lord as far as being Savior and, and deny the faith. But we could deny the Lord uh, in, in a thousand other ways with the exaltation of self in our lives. And we pamper for a better, better word. Again, guys may not like to, men might not like to, like to use the word pampered, but uh, we pamper ourselves we pity ourselves. That's one of the worst things of all. And a lot of believers are very adamant and firm in the finished work of Christ on, Christ on the cross as far as paying the price for the sins of the world. The finished work of the Lord. And we're good with that. But a lot of believers have not allowed the, work, the cross to have that inward work of bringing death to myself. Yes, I'm forgiven of my sins. Jesus paid the price for my sins. That's done. There's nothing we work at. We believe and we trust in Christ and His finished work. But there's an ongoing work of the cross as well. And that's what we're focusing on here. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of sanctification. It's a work of conforming us to the image of Jesus. It's a work of Christ's likeness. And at the top of that list, it's a work of death to self. Self is the thing that hinders all of those things. Satan's not the problem for us. 99.9% of the times, we know he's there. And we know he's around. We know he's our adversary and opposing us at every turn. But our greatest difficulty in spiritual growth and progress, is I don't believe at all is the devil. I believe it's ourself. And we need to allow the cross of Jesus not only to, to pay the price for our sins, but to bring death to ourselves. Our pampered selves that we try to preserve. And so we have to let that uh, work go on in us. There's a self-infatuation, as the author put it. We're infatuated with self, and we would never think that that's us. We think that we're the most caring, giving, selfless person, and you probably are far more than me. And I'm not saying, again, that there's not a real work of God and a real progress. But I would say that in all of us, there's still a need for a greater work of the cross to bring death to self. So we can really fully know the Lord completely. Uh, I'm reading, uh, I have a few little poems tonight that the author has, and I want to give some stanzas as we go. And here's one of them by uh, a saint of God. She writes this, God, God hardened me against myself. Now she's describing self, the coward with pathetic voice who craves for ease and rest and joys. This is this self. Looks for the easy path. Looks for, uh, for ease, for rest, for joys. 
All that comes, the rest, the ease, it comes in the Lord, the peace, the joy. But it comes as I die to myself. And, and that's, that's, that's the way the Lord gives it. And so what we see is that God fell from its, his original state. I guess you could, I mean, man fell from his original state, his original home, if you want to call it that, when, when it was God was the sinner. I'm talking about Adam when he walked with the Lord, and he's our, our father, so to speak, and our representative of, of carnal humanity, all right, without Jesus. And man fell from that place in, into like a, a foreign place. Early on, originally, God was the center of everything. It wasn't self that was the center of everything. God was at the center of man's being and heart and thoughts, and there was perfect bliss and joy. That's the only place, by the way, that perfect bliss and joy comes. And then when man, basically what man did, uh, our representative, Adam and Eve, he usurped that position usurped the authority of God and no longer was God the center of man's being he should have been but there it sent man out into this like distant foreign alien place where man was the center of man and everything revolved all of a sudden the whole universe revolves around man and when you really think about it, there's all kinds of sins in the world. We know where the God of this world is Satan. And before we were saved, we walked according to the course of this world. We were by nature children of wrath. We're sinners by nature and we've all committed sin. I understand all that. But that is really a good description that every man is like without Christ being Lord. is like his own little universe where everything rotates and revolves around him. I don't care if you're rich or poor or young or old or whatever, popular, unpopular, that's that's the nature of fallen man. And it's a foreign place to where when God created man in his image to commune with him and to fellowship and to walk with him. This place of self-infatuation, and I would almost call it self-worship, it's foreign to God's intent and plan. And He sent Jesus, and Jesus willingly went to the cross, not only to redeem us from sin and the curse of sin, which is death, the wage of sin is death, for all, et- all eternity, right? Bring us to heaven one day, life eternal. But He went to the cross to deliver men from that self-life to where everything revolves around Himself. And get God back that's the Lordship part, right? That's the Lordship. He's Savior and Lord. Savior and Lord. All through the Bible. Christ our Savior. Christ the Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I said? Lordship. He's actually called Lord more times than He's called Savior in the Bible. And that's what He is to be. And as I said, man broke and, and took this course with this false center. You know what I mean? We see that song, Jesus be the center of it all. You know that song? Uh, Jesus be the center of my life. Jesus be the center of my church. Jesus be the center of it all. That is how it should be. That's a wonderful song, a wonderful thought, and a wonderful prayer. That's God's thought too. All, we can't do it ourselves, but we can come in agreement with the Lord and say, God, I know this is Your will, but I see through the course of my day, through the course of my, my life, that ugly self 
that may have a real pretty face painted on it that's rising to the surface and coming to the top. It's not what we would call gross immorality or something to get you locked up in Angola for, but it's self nonetheless. And it's a usurping of God being the center of it all. Jesus was such a perfect example. He's God. The Word became flesh, okay? But He was still the Word. And I know I quote it all the time, but He only, the, for the whole course of His 33 and a half years, born of a virgin in a manger, till, to saying it's finished on the cross, He only did what His Father, He saw His Father doing. That was it. They wanted to take and make Him king. He was real popular one day. He said, no, I'm going to the cross. They want to throw him off a cliff and kill him? Uh, no, I'm going to the cross. I'm only doing what, I, what I'm, the will of the Father. And that's such a perfect example of us to follow. We can't just snap our fingers and do that, but we can allow the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about for saved people. We can allow the Lord to have His full work in us by the power of the cross, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, man's best deeds, okay, li listen to this, I know that you know it, but man's best deeds are, are nothing but refined forms of filthy rags. So we can refine those rags to where they might appear to many men and many other brothers and sisters in Christ to really be something not sinful or not selfish but if it's man's best works apart from the Lord, that can be even within the church. Okay? All I'm saying, I'm not trying to make you go crazy and say, I wonder if this is of God. I'm just saying, humble ourselves before the Lord and let Him have His perfect work. You know, you can drive yourself nuts. Did I do that for God or did, is that a refined form of self? Please, I don't want to bring you and put you in some mental gymnastics there over that. I'm just saying that sometimes I don't think we think we think we're like Peter. I would never deny you, and yet we find ourselves. Next opportunity comes to take a bold stand for the Lord, and we chickened out again. You know what I mean? Uh, and we just need to guard against that. We need to make that a serious point of like concentration to bring it before the Lord and let Him have. His work in us. Amen? And so, man loves himself. It's just all there is to it. Lost men love themselves and, you know, don't know any better, don't know any different. A Christian can too. It's selfishness. Okay? It's like a secret selfishness. One man of God said, self is the root, the branches, and the tree of all the evil of our fallen states. Okay? And so, there's an, a self infatuation and and so what is God's way in other words when Adam fell into sin being our representative the first man Adam fell into sin being the father of us all what was the Lord's plan to basically get the self off the throne and have the Lord be back on the throne of our lives of every area of our life he, he certainly wasn't surprised by it. It didn't, it didn't catch him off guard. Amen? Don't ever forget Jesus is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. So it didn't caught, catch him off guard. But, but make no mistake about it, that was God's plan. Jesus coming, 
to redeem men from the curse of sin, from the power of sin, and to let the cross continually have that work in our lives to to bring us to an end of sinful self, a death to sinful self, because that's what the cross does. That's God's instrument, okay? That's God's tool to do it. God never forces anybody to be saved. He never forces anybody to choose Him. You know, the greatest, it's to the greatest glory of God when men willfully love God, willingly choose to serve God, right? The rich young ruler, Jesus didn't force him to come back and say, bow down here before me now and take, let me take all those riches from you. If, if God forced people to be saved, everybody would be saved. It is for His glory for men to willingly die to self. Willingly say, I don't, I'm no longer going to be Lord. I recognize you as Lord. And by faith, I'm going to enter into that relationship, the highest relationship possible, where you are my Savior from sin and its power and its curse and its judgment and its consequences. And you're going to be my Savior from self. And my world will revolve around you. To live is Christ. To die is gain. That's it. Period. It's Christ and it's Christ at the other end. That's all it is. And uh, let's turn, turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll just read two verses. It's a whole wonderful passage, basically 18 through 25. But for time's sake, we're going to read verse 18 and then skip down. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So the, the cross and the preaching of that cross is the power of God. That, that's God's display of His power to save, His power to, uh, to change, to renew, and it's His power to do it. Verse 24, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And so it's, as was one man put it, that the cross is God's axe. It's the axe that he uses as its tool to chop down the tree of self. And we first give our lives to Jesus. We talk about this all the time. We don't know all the depths of that. We know as much as God's revealed us to us at that time. We might know a lot more than we think we do even then. But we give our lives to Jesus and he takes it. And he makes us new in Christ and forgives us. And we become a new creature. If any man's in Christ... Any man, the newest believer, he's a new creature, right? Old things are passed away, but he takes and he begins to work in us. He begins to work in us. He begins to work in us. He was working in Peter's life. He's working in our lives. He, he's working in the Old Testament saints' lives. But he's, he's using the cross. That's why he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so that is his tool that he uses in the power. And Adam was the head of that first race of humanity. Jesus is the head of a new race. A new line. It's a whole new... It's one or the other. There's no in-between. There's in Adam or in Christ. There's no halfway in-between. Almost saved. You know what I mean? There's no such thing. We're either born again 
Or if you're not born again, you're outside of Christ, you're still in Adam. You might be listening to the Gospel. You might be uh, weighing it out, the cost out in your mind and heart. But you're either in Christ or you're out. Christ is the head of that new race. And He has taken us. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh like we talked about last Wednesday. But He took us with Him to the cross, spiritually speaking, to the cross. That's what all of Romans 6 we've been focusing on. When we're through with this whole study, however many weeks, uh, we're basically going to be learning by faith. In Jesus' name, we're going to be learning what is being taught in Romans 6 about that death has no more dominion over Him. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. There's the likewise. There's that relationship. It's the union with Christ that we keep talking about. That the Lord brought us there. Jesus chose to die. He died for us. He died in our place. He died our death. He really, that was our death. That He died. So we escaped. Okay? We escaped. Clean escaped. Like we talked about Joshua being the deliverer. Rahab and her family escaped. But, but He also brought us, tied us to Himself basically, and brought us to the cross. He didn't stay on the cross forever, and I don't, we're not to stay on the cross in that sense, but we are to let the cross have its work in our lives. Amen? And so it's interesting that the Lord chose in John 3, when He was talking to Nicodemus, He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. You know that story in the Old Testament, right? As Moses lifted up the serpent, that brass serpent on a pole, when everybody was getting bit because of their rebellion and sin, and they were dying from the God sent that judgment, he, he says, "Make hurry up and make a brass serpent, put it on a pole and lift it up. Whoever looked upon it, if they were bitten, they didn't die from it. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be, must be lifted up that whosoever believeth in Him, that's faith, should not perish but have eternal life. Why do you think Jesus used... It's His own words. Why did He use the serpent? Is an Old Testament picture of a New Testament uh, reality. Okay? But why didn't He choose... If that serpent represents Him, it represents Him on the cross. It doesn't represent Him all the time. But it represents Him on the cross. As Moses lifted up the serpent, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Why didn't He use like a, a dove to represent Himself on the cross? Or a, a beautiful flower? You know what I mean? Or a rainbow? Or something like that. He used the serpent because the serpent is the only thing that truthfully speaks about what was going on there. What He, he became sin. And it rightly speaks of what He became for that moment. It was just for a moment. He didn't ever sin. Never sin never entered into Him. He bore it upon Himself. He became sin for us. That was us. All that ugliness to it, to the serpent, the truth of the matter is, that was our sin placed upon Him. That's not the worst of man. That's all of man. That's our good, bad, and ugly. Okay? That's all of man and self. And 
that's the, the accurate picture. And we need to see it's not my sins, sins plural, like I lied. I did this. I stole something before. I lost my temper. I cursed. We have lots of those. The blood of Jesus washes them all away and still to this day. Okay? For a believer still, washes those away when we commit sins and confess. But we need to see it's myself. What we do when we sin only arises out of what we are. You know that. What we do only arises out of what we are. So I need to say, look at these bad things I've done. It's not just the bad things I've done. I need to get to the heart of it and say, there's a reason I do those bad things. The reason I do those bad things, there's too much of self still going on. I'm pampering self. I'm trying to make self uh, compatible with my walk with God. And it's not. That's why we deny ourselves. Take up our cross. Follow the Lord. Amen? And uh, another little poem. Horatius Bonner wrote this. I'm just going to read a couple of stanzas from it. He talks about the crowd that was screaming crucify when, when Jesus was in Pilate's hall and at the cross. <clears throat> he says, And of that shouting multitude, I feel that I am one. I'm one of that multitude, okay? And in the din of voices rude, I recognize my own. Twas I that shed the sacred blood. I nailed him to the tree. I crucified the Christ of God. I joined the mockery. Around the cross the throng I see mocking the sufferers groan. Yet still my voice, it seems to be as if I, I mocked alone. And so we need to realize that it was, it was our sin and sinful self, not just our bad deeds. You all understand what I'm saying. I know that you do. It's our sinful selves that Jesus came to free. And we can't say, shame on those Roman soldiers. They spat upon the Lord. Shame on the Jews that mocked Him and gave Him vinegar when He was thirsty. Uh, it was our sin, and He willingly did it. Our sinful selves that put Him there. And we can't disown that, so to speak. And we ought not try, try to disown that sinful self. In the sense, we first need to own up to it, and then we need to disown it and say, I lay it at the foot of the cross. Does that make sense? I first need to own up to it and say, that is me. If we ever think Jesus saved us because we were pretty good, or we ever think Jesus saved us because uh, we were worthy of it, or we're not as bad as our fellow men and the people that we've ministered to in Angola, we've missed it. We need to own up fully to that self and say, like that poem, I, it's like I did it all by myself. Put him on that cross. And I need to own up to that. And then I need to disown it, see it, and say, now God help me. I don't want it. I renounce it. I throw it at the foot of Jesus. Whatever, whatever you have to do by your cross, by your spirit, by your grace to work in my life, I, I want to be free of sinful self. We're all going to heaven. If we're born again, that's not even a question. That's not even what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about dying to ourselves so that the Lord can have His 
His full way in us. And some people might think, man, I've heard it before. I've heard it in, in the church world before. Not necessarily true Christianity. It's not. But I've heard in the church world that man is basically good. Have you heard that before? Man is basically good. At the heart, at the root, man is basically good. There's not one scripture that says that. That's an out and out lie. Man is not basically good, and the best of men, and the best is vile. The best of man, fallen man, that human nature is vile. And it's not, we can keep it under control a lot of times and not have all the outward manifestations of it, but the best of man itself in humanity, carnal nature, is not subject to God, neither indeed can it be subject to God. The carnal mind is enmity with God, absolutely opposed. There's not a blending of the two. Not part of Adam's nature and you know, part of, of Christ's nature. And so we have to own up to it. We need to own up to it and then but but self dies hard, like we said, self dies hard. We can give up a lot of things as long as we still have a measure of control over our lives. But the Lord wants to to be the Lord. And we ought not be afraid to let our good shepherd be our shepherd. We ought not to be afraid to let the God who is love, who loves us with an everlasting love, be the complete Lord of our lives. But we, we're so afraid to let go of some measure of control. And God wants to let us, you know, for us to die to ourselves. People don't want to die. Christians don't want to die. But the Lord wants us to. He can help us. He can bring us to that right mindset of that. We need to understand, though, in, in this that we need to consent to that. In one sense, it's not something we try to do. I'm going to bring this to a close. It's not that we try to die to self. Let me try to die to self today. We do, by faith, reckon it as being so. Because in our union with Christ, like we talk about every week, that is already the case. If I am yoked together with Jesus, if I am in Christ and walking in Christ, He is already dead to sin and fully separated from sin. He's already that perfect man, so to speak. And as I walk in Him by faith, the the death to self is going to, to be my reality. So again, the striving is not to try to die to myself. The striving is try to stay at every waking moment in communion with the Lord. And we, we're so thankful we have the Holy Spirit that, that pricks our hearts, that convicts our consciences when we're, we're about to lose it. I'm about to say something I shouldn't say. And God says, don't do it. We have the choice then not if we're walking closely with the Lord we hear that and the Lord can uh, work that that's a little miniature death to self when we yield to the Lord that's a word that people again in the church don't like to use that word but it's in the scriptures to yield to the Lord amen we yield to him let's look at this in uh, Romans chapter 6 which we're talking about verse 13 we're bringing this to a close Romans 
This is something we do. It's, a, it's, it's an active... Say, well, what, is, what does God do? I remember Alberto talked about this in a recent Sunday school lesson. What's God's part? What's my part? We ought not be confused. The Bible tells us what God, what's God's part and what's our part. If I'm lost, my part is to give my life to Jesus, to repent, to trust in the, in the Lord, confess with my mouth. That's all I can do, but I can do that if I'm lost. Okay? If I'm saved, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do everything He tells me to do in His Word, but the power by which I do it is the power of the Lord. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, I don't think it's nearly as confusing as I've heard it preached over uh, uh, years of my life in, in, in other circles that we ought not make it. Just take it. That My part, it says here in verse 13, neither yield ye your members. Now he's speaking of Christians. Neither yield ye your members as your physical body as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. That means I can do that, y'all. I can do that. I can yield myself unto God. And when I don't feel like I can, or even if I do feel like I can, I say, Lord, help me to yield myself to You. You can help me and strengthen me. And at the same time you're saying help me, you're saying thank You, God, for helping me to yield myself to You. Thank You for giving me the strength to yield myself to You. You understand what I'm saying? We need Him. And He's saying, you need me and I'm here for you. You need my strength and I'm giving it to you. Even before you ask, I'm giving it to you. So walk in it. Appropriate what I've given you. Take what I've given you and walk in it. Don't ask me to walk it for you. Take what I've given you and walk it out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive how? From the dead. Well, when did we die? We're still living. I never died. I died in Christ's death. If I'm born again, I need to think about it. I need to realize it. I need to reckon it as being so. I don't need to try to make it so. I need to count on it as being so. As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And so, that, that's what we're to do. You know what, y'all? And I'm, I'm closing right here. But such... Uh, it's not enough for us just to to cut off the little branches of self. Y'all understand that. I, 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 y'all probably had similar kind of things, but you remember when, uh, when we had a, our last big snow here? It was like December of 2017. I still have pictures of it on my phone. We built a big snowman in the front yard. And we had these uh, Sega palms. You know these palms? These, they, they, you know what kind of plant I'm talking about. Well, after that freeze and everything, they turned all brown. And, and I said, you know what? I kind of was tired of those plants anyway. I'm going to get rid of them. And so I sawed and dug and, and chainsawed them and dug around the roots. And I, they're so heavy. I mean, and they've got little spikes sticking out of them. I'm like wrestling with these things. And I had to put it on a dolly. It was so heavy to roll it in the woods back there, two of them. And I, and I got rid of them, but the things are still popping up. Today, when I go pick up the mail and I walk back in the house, I'm popping the little sprouts off. When I got monkey grass growing all over them, and those little things are still growing out. Self dies hard. It's not enough for us to say, 
let me, let me uh, treat the symptoms, the little fruit and the little branches of self. The axe has to be to the root or it's going to keep popping up. There's millions and millions of forms of self. I just want to read a few. We ought to cut down the whole tree. Amen? Self-righteousness. This is in the church world too. Look at purpose-driven life. Okay? Purpose-driven theology. I forgot there's seven of them or how many self-things that they're encouraging you. Self-love, self-forgiveness, self-acceptance, self-everything. It's totally opposite of Scripture. Totally opposite of the cross. Totally opposite of reality in the faith. It's not going to work. It's a worldly thought. It's a worldly invention. Self-righteousness, self-esteem, self-vindication, self-glory, self-pity. That's one of the worst of all. Self-pity, self-love, self-forgiveness, self-acceptance. And you can keep on going on and on with the self. To trim back the tree only means you left, you left the root. And at some point, it, it's still got life and it's going to come back. The, the hope comes here. The hope is that I'm already in Christ if I'm saved. I'm not striving at this point to get into the body of Christ. When I gave my life to Jesus, he, I was baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. I didn't know that that's what happened. But when I said, Jesus, I'm a sinner coming to my heart. You're the Savior. The Holy Spirit sealed me and placed me into the body of Christ. You're Christ's own body in the Lord. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if any man be in Christ, we're in Him. His Spirit is in us. So I don't, my striving is not to get to that place. My striving is to, by faith, walk in that place. To every time I and say, God, show me, show me all those, show me how much of self is still alive in me. Some of it you already know, some of it you may not know. Show me. He He will. And don't be too afraid to to ask Him to show you, and then trust God to help you die in that area. He might send you through some kind of little trial. He might send you to pray and fast. He might send you to study something in the Scripture. He might send you. I don't know what he'll do, but I know he'll do it. He'll do it. So there's abundant hope in the Lord. Self can never overcome self, by the way. I'm just going to determine I'm going to be dead to self. Self cannot overcome self. The Lord can overcome self. And his instrument is the cross. Amen. And so we have to yield. That's why I wanted to read that one scripture in Romans. Uh, Someone, someone asked uh, George Mueller one time. We talk about him a lot. Wonderful man of God. Somebody said, what was the secret of your service? And George Mueller replied, there was a day when I died. And as he was talking, he was bending over. As he was answering this individual, he was bending over lower and lower and lower and lower till he was almost touching the floor. He was bending down so low. And he added, I died to George Mueller. I died to his opinions, his preferences, his taste and will. I died to the world and its approval or censure of me. I died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I've studied only to show myself approved unto God. That was his secret. It wasn't a million other things. It was that there came a place where he really walked in this crucified life. 
And he really walked in this it's a specific moment. And I'm sure he had to continue to walk in it after that. But there was a specific moment of reality where God worked a great work in his life. And he knew that God had worked this work in his life. And he walked it out. That's an amazing thing. So I'm closing with another stanza of another poem. And D, you can come on up. Though I be nothing, I rejoice to find my all in Thee. Not I, but Christ forevermore. Amen, so let it be. I'm nothing, but I'm in Christ. And let it be that way. Don't try to preserve self and all the little myriads of selfisms that come out of it. Just let the Lord have His full work and trust Him to do it. He's more than capable of doing it, by the way. That's not too hard of a task for our Lord to do. He can do it. We need to yield. We need to yield at every turn. Every single turn, every single thought, every single moment. We need to yield to the Lord. Amen? Y'all stand with me tonight. And let's close this in prayer. Let's give God this opportunity in this moment to to at least yield to Him, to at least acknowledge and say, God, I need You to show me myself. Or, Lord, You've shown me myself and it's ugly. And Lord, I want to yield to You. I want to yield to the work of Your cross. I'm not afraid for You to have Your full way in my life. I'm not afraid for Jesus to be Lord of my life. And I know in order for that to happen, I need to be dead to myself. God, I pray that You'd help all of us, every single person in here, as much as we can comprehend it by, through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we comprehend it. We, we stand in that reality. We ask God that You would help us and strengthen us, God. What a blessed life to really be free from self, self-pity, self-preservation, all of those things, to be free from it. And like George Mueller, to be dead, to ourselves, God. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.